situation where a buyer, through the discussions with the seller, realized the seller hadn't changed any of their pricing to their clients for many years, at least 10 years, easily. And, but, the, but the seller was happy, he was profitable, and he had great customers, he enjoyed doing the work, but the buyer looked at that saying, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity to, to increase revenue without increasing work. All I have to do is increase my rates, which he did day one, and customers left in droves. Within 60 days, he was bankrupt. Welcome back to the Apex Business Advisors podcast. Back just the two of us. <laughs> this am, feels good, though. It does. It's comfortable. For those of you new to the podcast, I am Andy, joined as always by my co-host Doug. Doug, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for thanks, Andy. Yes. Of and course. how are you doing? Uh, you know, I'm I'm good. A little nervous. Good. My wife has a uh, an extended trip coming up. With my yeah. oldest daughter, which means that I'm going to have my youngest daughter what a blessing. for about 10 days. That's going to be really nice. very excited about the 10 Father, days daughter bonding of time. just the two of us. Yeah. Good. For 10 whole days. Good. I'm sure we will be hungry. I'm when sure. <laughs> yeah. A lot of Cheerios. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, do you want cheeses for breakfast or the <laughs> Nutella snacks? <laughs> uh, well, before we get started... On our topic today, I wanted to, first of all, see if uh, you had any embarrassing stories to follow up from mine last week. I'm happy to be here, happy to report that I've had no, no further other events. events that... Uh, I've, been trying to, I've been trying to stay out of humiliating and embarrassing situations, so I don't have anything to report. Yeah. And the things that I do have, I, I do have embarrassing moments. But not for the podcast. Nothing, nothing to that not, degree. Uh, nothing I'm willing to share uh, to the public. Well, something that is definitely worth sharing. You know, we've talked about being at the IBBA conference mm-hmm. the past few weeks, and I realized when you posted on LinkedIn this week congratulating our colleagues on awards they received that we no. have yet to mention. I know the I know. the hardware that that we walked away from. You know, I know we took a lot of education, a lot of classes, yeah. brought a lot of stuff back. But you know, one of the things that we should probably uh, we should probably go ahead and mention that Apex did very well last year, and yep. that success led to a lot of awards and recognition. So, yeah, and I think you know what's nice about the IBBA and the MA Source is they they do like to celebrate wins, and you know brokers or the firms have good years that qualify for awards, and so we did get some, as you said, walked away with some hardware out of the uh, conference. So. Um, yeah, it's a good time to bring up now. We had Chairman's Award, uh, which, you know, these awards are for high volume, you know, getting a lot of deals done during the year. So there's a Chairman Award, and we had people within the office that qualified for that. We And won, Valerie and Ron uh, won the awards. Jay qualified for the award, but, you know, he's got a wedding planning going on. His daughter's getting married, so there was not a lot of time to complete paperwork. Yeah, Jay can't be bothered uh, with paperwork. But we will say he qualified. Jay's a qualifier, but, but he's cannot a qualifier. Be, he can't be bothered with paperwork <laughs> at this point in his life. <laughs> he would have he walked away with a trophy. 
And then we have the Platinum Chairman's Awards that went to Debbie Small and Chuck Campbell. Another individual that I would say would have qualified had he been participating in this was Jeff Crooks. Again, can't Again. be bothered with paperwork. I mean, that's a lot of ink to put on paper, so his hand would have cramped up probably. So yeah, he decided to forego that. Um, but I will say he qualified. So always good to have um, people that are successful in this business in the office learning from which kind of leads into our conversation today is that when you have this many sales and this many acquisitions, we have focused a lot on the process, getting somebody up through and to due diligence and to closing. Mm-hmm. That's really just the beginning. Yeah. That is a, it's a, it's a milestone marker, but it's day one for every buyer. Right. It's day one right. of their, yeah, they're owning this business. Yeah. And so we wanted to talk today about, tips and tricks to do upon acquisition, maybe that first 90, 180, first year, some Mm -hmm. things that we've seen that some people do well, and we've seen some things where where it falls off the track. So I brought a couple of... um, I brought a couple suggestions, and I think you did too, so... Well, do you want to start? I will. So, you know, I think the first thing is don't change anything. For the first... I was going to say that. Okay, go ahead. For the first, say, 60 to 90 days. Yeah. A lot of observation. Mm-hmm. Note what you may change, but if you come in and you make a lot of wide-sweeping changes, it can really disrupt some things that right. you artificially... You know, you bought the business based off of a, a certain revenue expectation, a certain profitability expectation, and the buyer can come in and inadvertently mess that up. Yeah, yeah, by coming I, in and making some changes, and yeah. we both have examples we can share. So, For sure. since I since I stole the your thunder there, why don't I let you give the example <laughs> that you were going to bring? Well, okay, I just want to reiterate though what you're talking about. When somebody's buying a business, a lot of times they ask to speak with the employees first because they're nervous and they want to make sure the employees don't just get up and leave on day one, and that it, it just doesn't work that way. Typically, a buyer meets the employees face-to-face the day of closing. And so the, the actual transition and how that's handled by the seller and the buyer is very important because people don't like change. So this can be kind of a shock to their system. So it's, it's important to kind of strategize around how that transition is going to place. How is the buyer introduced? What does the buyer say to the employees to say, you know, I need you, I want you, you're valuable, et cetera. And, it, and it's true that when somebody's buying a business, they are buying that staff that are experienced and they, he, you know, that person, that buyer needs those folks to stay on. So beyond that, uh, when you say don't change anything for 60, 90 days and, and very true, and, the example I have is actually a situation where a buyer, through the discussions with the seller, realized the seller hadn't changed any of their pricing to their clients for many years, at least 10 years easily. And, but, the, but the seller was happy. He was profitable. He had great customers. He enjoyed doing the work. 
but the buyer looked at that as saying, oh my gosh, here's an opportunity to, to increase revenue without increasing work. All I have to do is increase my rates, which he did day one, and customers left in droves. Within 60 days, he was bankrupt. And it's, he didn't change the business model, didn't change the employees. So he thought that he could just increase his profitability by 20% automatically. So that didn't work out well. And I think that's just one of the examples. We, and we don't have that happen very often where people go in and make these drastic changes. But now we actually, I use that as a cautionary tale when somebody's taking over a business as kind of watch, learn, you know, listen to what's going on and then make changes down the road. So that, that brings up a good point, which brings me to my second one. I'm just going to jump ahead here and share all of my yeah, stuff. Go, that go way, ahead. That way you can't get anything in. Um, <laughs> I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of buyers make is they, they do not remain in contact with that, with that owner. Mm-hmm. That even if to use, like, I, I think that it's important to use that person as a sounding board. Right. If you are going to do something where you're thinking, hey, I'm thinking about raising these rates 20%, the old owner may tell you, look, not a good idea, but not a good idea because that's just the way it's always been versus like, well, listen, you know, the industry is this competitive. There's this many new competitors in the market. I think that people will, yeah. will go away. I mean, they'll know. They'll know. And so I, I think that that's, it's important to, regardless of what your contractual arrangement is with mm-hmm. the, the seller, nearly every single one of them that I've worked with wishes that the buyer would contact them more. Right. Yeah. I, and I think that that's really important when we're leading up. You know, we've talked, like you said, about leading up to the sale and the relationship between the buyer and the seller is really important because you do want that contact afterward. And most buyers, you know, want at least 30 days from the seller to be involved. So, and, and if you're going to make a change, make incremental changes, mm-hmm. you know, it needs to be tested out, especially if you're new to the industry. Yeah. When I sold my business, I still maintain contact. You know, sometimes there's three or four weeks it'll go by, but I, I always like it when he asks me my opinion when he's getting ready to do something or, yeah. Hey, the supplier's doing this. Right. Do you know of another supplier that can that can help me out? You know, right. And, right. and we're in a unique time in in history to where there's such a supply chain constraint that here's the suppliers I use. They never had to go out and do the research of who else is out there. Right. Where else could they get that? And so maintaining that contact with the with the old owner could be things as easy as here's a supplier that can that we've used in the past, or here's a supplier that can provide that resource, or, hey, you're not happy with the supplier, yeah. uh, here's three or four others that you can that you can use. Right. You know, 99% of the sellers want the buyer to be successful. They've had, you know, the employees are like family to them. They've got their name over the door, their, their brand is, you know, they are part of that. So they want the buyer to be successful. And so... I, I think it's a great idea to stay connected and get some ideas. And, and I think sellers are open to that. 
yeah. having, have, giving their opinion. It doesn't mean you have to follow it, but, but you get some ideas from them. And it often leads to you know, customers and employees seeing that mm-hmm. the old owner is still around, involved. Got his hands in it a little bit. Something, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's good for morale for the that person to, you know, come back around. Right. And, I, and I have an example on this one, and it kind of dovetails off of the, the previous example, too, of not making changes. And perhaps mm-hmm. if you are going to make a change, consulting the previous owner. The previous owners had what was called a living allowance. So essentially they would loan, as part of the student's student aid, they would get few hundred bucks, five, I don't know, I forget the exact number, but it's 500 or 1,000 bucks as a living allowance. They were the only school that was doing that in town. And so they had three of these schools that were at capacity with a waiting list. And the new owner came in and within a couple months after the transition period decided, you know, that's really not something that I want to continue doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can save, look at how much money I can save by not doing this. Oh, yeah. We see where this is going. Consequently, we went from three schools with a waiting list to about 30% capacity. And how long did they stay in business and after that? They weren't. Yeah. Maybe 18 months. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it was a pretty drastic cut. Now, had they maintained that relationship, had that good relationship, but, you know, oftentimes, too, sometimes buyers... They don't want to take the advice of the of the yeah, previous well, they seller. Yeah, they can do it better, mm-hmm. right? And I think in that in that case, um, you know, having I, I think the seller is very willing to continue advising, uh, and there may have been some seller financing in that. Seller usually has a stake in in the buyer being successful. So, buyer may have lost out, or the seller may have lost out in in that situation too. Yeah. And the last point that I would bring up is have a good training plan. Mm-hmm. Ensure that you as a, a buyer have yeah. a, that you have given thought as to, you know, maybe you don't know what you don't know, mm-hmm. but having a good training plan that's laid out over the course of, you know, your first few weeks at a minimum of, right. you know, here are the things that, because again, we work with a lot of people that have been doing this for 20, 30, 40 plus years and they kind of forgot what it was like day one Mm -hmm. yeah and they they just take things for granted that well that's the system over there that new new owners gonna have to learn that system and know these things and so it's often not you know I do a lot of lawn and landscape companies and Mm -hmm. you know one of the things that I tell the the sellers like you should probably not expect to teach this person how to start the mower you should probably spend a lot of time showing them the the back end, the systems, mm-hmm. how to right. be an owner, not necessarily, right. well, you know, on Tuesdays we, we sharpen the blades. Yeah. Right. They need to right. know it. Right. Just put it on the schedule. So that does bring up a point. And I think what I try to tell my buyers and sellers, uh, when you're talking about setting up a training schedule, it needs to be specific. <laughs> Because I've had, early on, I had a situation where the seller said, yes, I'll train, this is what I'm gonna do, this is my, my normal hours, and they seemingly had a good relationship. Day one, seller doesn't show up for training. And so what I advise people is to have specific 
day hour requirement for the, that first month, let's say. I need you for 40 hours between this hour and that hour. Because without it, if it's too broad, too general, mm -hmm. then there can be arguments about that. And I think if you go in, like you said, if you have a training schedule, make that part of the, of the agreement. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of times you'll see something like seller will train full-time for right. a month. Yeah. What does that mean? Okay. Does that well, maybe mean the that seller's used to working 20 hours a week? Sure. So that's all they want to do. Yeah. Is it, is it 8 to 5? Is it 12 to 9? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, the, yeah. the seller may very well be like, look, I'm not, I'm not working nights. You know, you might have a retail-type yeah. place to where the, the buyer is planning on working the night shift and the seller has right, worked right. the day shift yeah. for and you may run into a, a situation to where what days what hours mm -hmm. you yeah. know I'm, yeah. I'm working monday through friday eight to five well wait a minute this is a heavy weekend business so i want you to train me in the evenings and on the weekend yeah and let's it, figure that out up front yeah yeah so for sure well any other any other good news to share any last thoughts on this I think we uh, do, have we had some closings no since we, we have, last spoke. we have quite a few new engagements coming in so what's what's uh, good to hear um, even in with this economy and you know people look at all the bad news the the good news is we continue to have new businesses coming to market and good businesses and so we've got some things coming that I think will sell quickly there's going to be there's going to be a lot of interest from from the buyers that we have, so pretty excited about that. Well, keep an eye out at kcapex.com to see all those new listings that are coming coming through. I know for myself, I've got about four of them that are just waiting to tip. That I've been waiting on a few pieces of information, and yeah. I, I just know what's going to happen. You want to know what's going to happen? There, I know what's going to happen. Tell We're me. going to hit all at once. They're all coming the same day, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and that. That's fine. We'll get them. And you're we'll welcome. Get, we'll get yeah. them through there. But uh, but yeah, KC Apex, that's going to be where you can see the list of the current businesses we have for sale. You can get in contact with the team, uh, learn all about buying or selling a business, check out these podcasts. Um, you know, we don't talk about the blogs enough. Maybe let's talk about the blogs just for a few minutes. There is so much information. We have such a huge library of that. We, Podcast is relatively new, but we've been yeah, doing blogs for years. So hundreds of hundreds of blogs we've been doing for years, and and it is great information. There are some uh, true life stories out there, some from us, some from just um, out in the world. Um, so some case studies for buyers and sellers. Yeah, and these blogs aren't. You know, you're not going to have to set aside a huge block of time to read. No, they're, they're short, they're, five minutes, yeah, five-minute read, five-minute reads. So yeah. Well, very good. Look forward to talking to you next week. And as always, if you are looking at buying or selling a business, we got you, fam. There does need to be some specificity. Specificity? Specificity? It needs to be specific. I'm keeping that in. <laughs>